This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. And we're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson as well. Congress, this Congress is opening, uh, is operating under open rules, which does open that amendment process. Tory Advisory Group Executive Vice President Tara Smith says that could complicate the farm bill process. If the House moves forward with a farm bill under an open rule, it's going to be really tough. It's going to mean a lot of amendments. Um, It's going to mean a lot of tough votes for folks. I think we can expect um, a lot of those amendments to come after crop insurance, quite frankly. If you just look at the last farm bill and the amendments that were filed, um, if we had to deal with all of those amendments, we'd be taking a lot of votes um, on crop insurance and having to play a lot of defense. House Republicans have one of the smallest majorities in history, making it even more difficult for passing a farm bill. The last couple of farm bills, we haven't had fewer than 20 Republicans um, who have bailed on a farm bill and voted against a farm bill. We don't have 20 Republicans to lose on a farm bill, which means you're going to have to pull some Democrat votes to get this across the finish line. So um, I think some degree of bipartisanship is going to be absolutely essential. Smith was featured at yesterday's NDSU Crop Insurance Conference in Fargo. Geopolitical specialist Jacob Shapiro doesn't believe the inflation story is behind us. The threat to the supply chain is also present. When you put the Red Sea disruption on top of you know, some other disruptions that I talked about with the Russia-Ukraine war, the South Caucasus, the South China Sea, um, you know, I think you could see a little spike in prices that people are not necessarily expecting. Also, just keep in mind, you know, energy prices have been the big reprieve of the past 12 to 14 months. Like, they've really come off the boil. I don't know how sustainable that is in, in the long run. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to me that we've got enough supply uh, to meet all the demand that's out there. Shapiro is part of Cognitive Investments and was featured in the Northern Pulse Growers Association's annual meeting in Minot. Shapiro said the traditional agricultural marketplace is changing. Well, look, we've for 100 years, the story of the American farmer has been export your surplus abroad to make money. Americans get cheap food, but farmers are really going to make their money by exporting abroad. And in a world where countries are thinking more about issues like sovereignty and security and not wanting to be dependent on others, I'm just not sure that that works. It will work for some countries. There are countries that we will have certain political relationships with, like, say, Mexico, where it makes a lot of sense. But China has been the dominant consumer of lots of American ag products for over a decade. I don't think that's going to continue. And I think if you bank on that, you're going to make a big mistake. The transportation disruptions on the Red Sea continue to make headlines. NDSU Extension crops economist Frayne Olson sees an impact for the grain market. It's not going to impact us directly because we don't ship a lot of product through that those channels, obviously. But it is starting to increase freight rates in general because now all of a sudden the vessels that we're going to take the short way have to go the long way around. So it just takes them longer to get there and have a return haul. So we are starting to see ocean freight rates increase. So there's some indirect impacts. So there's some supply chain questions and concerns. Are we going to see some additional buying or business from the U.S.? Because we don't have those supply chain issues. You know, we, we are considered to be higher priced, but we're also a very reliable supplier. You buy it from us, you get what you order, you get it on time. This action on the other side of the world could enhance exports out of the Pacific Northwest. As freight rates go up, all of a sudden, because it's a shorter haul, it's a faster turnaround time. 
product out of the PNW has an advantage, a shipping advantage. Okay, so as freight rate, rates go up, the shorter hauls have an advantage. And so that is the possibility. That's the thing, again, that I'm looking for to say, uh, have we priced correctly in the marketplace? And, and freight rate is part of that. It may seem like it's been a drier than normal winter, but Endon Director Daryl Richeson says that is not the case. We had a whole winter's worth of rain in December. So this winter is guaranteed not a single snowflake in the next six weeks. We're already guaranteed to have a wetter than average winter. So that's, you know, about Hillsborough southward. Uh, that's not true everywhere, but, you know, probably two-thirds of the Red River Valley, that's true. And even up north, they got a fair amount of moisture. You know, we only average a couple of inches all winter, liquid equivalency. During an appearance at the NDSU Crop Insurance Conference, Richardson offered hope for an early spring planting season. A group of six House Republican lawmakers are asking the Agriculture Committee to not raise reference prices in the new Farm Bill. That letter was quickly endorsed by the Heritage Foundation, National Taxpayers Union, and other conservative budget hawks. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention wrapped up with the voting delegate session yesterday in Salt Lake City, Utah. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation Vice President Carolyn Olson says a resolution brought to the floor by their state was passed early in the voting delegate session. But uh, one of the things that we passed that was pretty important to our counties, especially uh, a few counties that are really uh, short on EMS workers, is uh, changing the classification of an ambulance from a transportation to a medical emergency. And that would allow Medicare and Medicaid to reimburse families for uh, an emergency uh, ambulance ride. And uh, then also for training for EMS. And that, I think, is, you know, in rural Minnesota, we are so short on our EMS staff that things like that are super important. Olson says rural vitality continues to be a focus for their membership as they consider policy. We've all been keeping that in mind as we discuss policy. How does this affect our rural communities and, and how does this affect the vitality of those communities? Agriculture is such a huge portion of a lot of uh, communities' uh, finances through property taxes and through our spending in our local towns. So that is also have, has been top of mind. In Minnesota, we have our farm business management program that keeps track of the impact that one farm family makes in their local community. And last year, it was over a million dollars per farmer. So we do need to have a strong agriculture system to help keep our communities strong. Coverage of the American Farm Bureau Annual Convention has been brought to you by the Minnesota Farm Bureau, NDFB, South Dakota Farm Bureau, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duval and Vice President Scott Vanderwall were elected to another term. That pair first elected in 2016. Duval Farms in Georgia, Vanderwall raises crops and cattle at Volga, South Dakota. Yield estimates for Brazil continue to be a concern for the markets. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier says Mato Grosso and Paraná are trouble spots. Soybeans are 6% harvested in Brazil, uh, Mato Grosso 13%, uh, Paraná 7%. Now, we knew the crops in Mato Grosso were going to be disappointing because of the hot, dry weather back in October and November. 
What we had not anticipated were problems in the state of Paraná, which turned dry in mid-December. They were doing very good up until that point. And now the early harvest in Mato Grosso, excuse me, in Paraná, is disappointing as well. So I left my Brazil soybean estimates unchanged at 149. Cordonier says Argentina is the question mark. I think we've got to watch Argentina. You know, they only had some light showers over the weekend. It had already been getting dry in Buenos Aires and La Pampa. And now the forecast is for hotter and drier than normal going forwards. And the soybeans are 36% blooming, and the corn is 25% pollinating. So we've got this drier pattern developing just as the crops are entering reproduction. Now, if it stays dry for one week, that's no big deal. If it stays dry for two weeks, that would be a, a concern, especially if the temperatures are elevated. And the temperatures are supposed to be you know, much hotter than normal. North Dakota feeds the world, and that story needs to be told. Governor Doug Burgum made that point during his final State of the State address. Before the recent change in law, Burgum said North Dakota had an outdated corporate farming law and killed the animal agriculture business. We're, we're still doing sheep reachers at NDSU, and we were down to you know almost no sheep herds in the state. We were doing dairy research at NDSU, and we had less... We had like 12,000 dairy cattle in our state. We were importing milk into the state of North Dakota. We had one North Dakota entity that was running a dairy in Oregon where they could actually do animal agriculture. And they had 35,000 dairy cattle, a North Dakota company in Oregon, and we in the whole state had 12,000. Changes were made during the last legislative session. Burgum also yesterday touting the development of the state's soybean crush business and the launch of the new Office of Community Development and Rural Prosperity. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The world record holder for corn yield is in North Dakota today. David Hula brought in a yield of nearly 624 bushels per acre this past season. Pioneer sales lead Jesse Mock said this is a learning opportunity. You learn more about uh, what kind of mindset you need to really try different things on your farm. He goes through some of the practices he's done with success what kind of fertility programs he runs. Um, really, it's about developing that mindset of, okay, what are the things I try on my farm this year uh, to really bring my yield to the next level? And that's really the main thing David goes through in his presentations. Pretty cool to hear the, the things he does uh, throughout the year to really push that yield. Hula will be speaking at Rush River Seed and Chemical in Minot this morning and at the Fargo Dome later this afternoon. Every farmer wants demand for their crops, and U.S. Dry Pea and Lentil Association CEO Tim McGreevy says that is happening in the pulse business. These pulse crops are not only you know terrific for your health, but they're also really terrific for soil health as well. And so it's a win-win for both you know uh, the folks that we're serving, that we're feeding. That's our job, right, to feed people. But we also have to feed our soils. And so uh, you know, in this moment of time, and we. We did face super high tariffs there from 2017 to 20, which was devastating for our industry, but we're climbed back out of that. And I think we're, we'll probably see increased acreage and we'll see increased demand. So uh, it can't get any better than that. 
pulses can be an important part of a crop rotation. They're one of the lowest water footprint crops that you can grow. And, it, you know, they go after the shallow moisture and they can still produce a crop. You know, your wheat, your canola, your corn, they, they go down five, six feet to get that water. Pulses just go down two to four feet to get water. And so that is a huge benefit. The Northern Pulse Growers yesterday with their meeting in Minot. Checking markets this morning, we are one and a half higher for Minneapolis spring wheat. The March contract, $7.50. Chicago wheat for March, a gain of four and three quarters. And hard red winter wheat, March, four and a quarter higher. It's a penny gain for March corn, four forty-seven and a half. March soybeans, down one and three quarter cents, twelve thirty-seven and three quarters. As we check in on the farm calendar, plenty uh, going on right now, of course. The KMOT Ag Expo going on at the state fairgrounds. Uh, that uh, show today, tomorrow, and on Friday. The Extension Advanced Crop Advisors Workshop is going on today and tomorrow. That's being held at the Fargo Holiday Inn. Registration starting at 10.30 this morning. And also on the convention, the university, or on the schedule, the University of Minnesota Cow-Calf Days, the seminar and trade show schedule, uh, they moved to Roseau today, 5.30 actually this uh, evening. They'll be at Jeans Bar and Grill. Tomorrow they'll be in Iron, Minnesota at the Clinton Hall. And the U.S. Custom Harvesters Association annual meeting is on tap. That will begin on fr uh, tomorrow, actually, and continue into Saturday. They're meeting in Oklahoma City, and looking down to Rapid City, the Black Hills Stock Show. That starts on Friday as well. It will continue through Saturday, February 3rd, with livestock shows, the rodeo, and they have a big trade show as well. Again, that's the Black Hills Stock Show. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.